about a month ago, uh, maybe even about six weeks by now, um, I was out with the dog and we were walking in a field down near Wallstead. And while we were in that field, there was also a tractor. And the, the tractor was uh, driving along and left behind it deep black soil furrows. Deep furrows. Later in the week we returned, me and the dog that is, not the tractor, it moved on by then. And the furrows weren't there. Instead of these deep trenches, it was smooth. All an evenness across the surface. The preparation work had been done. It was complete. The farmer had moved on to his next task. When myself and Bracken, my Labrador, returned this week, that smooth surface was broken by small bits of green that had poked up through. They were all maybe an inch, maybe heading for inch and a half high. And it wasn't haphazard. It wasn't random. It had all been carefully planned. It was neat rows, equal spacing. Enough so that when those plants that have just poked through the surface now come to maturity in a few months' time, those grown plants will have space to see the sun, to receive the rain, to be able to yield a crop. There will this autumn be a harvest on that land. Farming has changed considerably since the first century. No longer would a sower of seed use the method described in the passage. You know, if I was to take, so I think the seeds have all gone now, but uh, if I was to take some of the seeds and just scatter, some will land close together and some far apart. Some on the good soil, some on the stony, the weedy, the path. But the modern possibilities were on display last weekend up at Ardingly at the showground. How you do things in a structured way so that you control how much seed and where it goes and then how it is fertilised and maybe even how it's watered. The GPS directed tractor to make sure that the feed goes evenly. 
the farmer's drone that can fly above the farthest field to monitor that all the crop is performing in the way that you imagine it is. No farmers nowadays would waste on the land that seed that is scattered so generously by the farmer, the sower in our passage. But whatever the generation of the sower of the seed, the question of what gives a good crop is given in the passage. The answer is there. And if you listen to Radio 4 Extra, or perhaps remember Beyond Our Ken from its first time around, you might know that Arthur Fallowfield would believe the answer is in the soil. We might long for a bountiful harvest in a different way. And there are shoots that we might see popping up through the ground. If you were in this place on Friday when it was Messy Church, there was over 60 people here. And those little shoots are an indication of possibility of future harvest. When we sow seed, it can grow. But before we think of how other people can come to Christ, we have to ask, have we got good soil? Are we ourselves planted well? Have we truly given our hearts to the Lord or how thorny, rocky or shallow are we? And what do we do about that? How might we change? In the text, the path is a hard place and the, the, the seed doesn't get into the ground at all. It just lies there on the surface. And a wrongful attitude to life will eat up any seed. If we allow Satan to make us cynical about who we are and what we are surrounded by. If we don't allow the word to germinate and to propagate, and instead permit the world around us to take charge, we will be eaten up, and our faith will go. I think we need to, to call upon the Spirit to break up the hardness that is sometimes there. Soften our hearts, Lord. Soften us. Help us come closer to the Lord, closer to Jesus. Changing us from the ways that we are maybe set in, ways that we're set so hard we have like concrete. 
and let us be open to what the Lord wants to do in each of our lives. What the Lord might want to do in his church and what the Lord wants to do in this, his village. Next, we remember those seeds that land among the rocks. And they seem at first to be okay. They start to grow. There is some soil there. But then the plants blow away. And we need to consider how deep-rooted we actually are and what we do about that. And challenges us to think of our personal conviction. What is it that you expect the Christian faith to mean in your life? Jesus offers us forgiveness and eternity with the Heavenly Father. He offers us hope and joy. A joy that goes beyond all understanding, even in the most challenging of circumstances. But some mistakenly think that in coming to faith we suddenly become perfect. That whatever earthly riches we ask for will be ours rather than the riches of heaven. That we will automatically enjoy wonderful health. Nothing is ever going to go wrong. But Jesus never paints that rosy picture, does he? The reality is he speaks of challenging times. Times of persecution. Times of difficulty. But in those times, we do have the promise of him being with us in our adversity. We face troublesome times, but we have a family. Not perfect, but our Heavenly Father is and has love for us and is there with us in those difficult times. When people who have the wrong understanding of hope come to face times of trial, when things in their life are not as they wish, they will become disillusioned with the Christian faith and with the church. Sometimes they lose sight of their place, of what the church is, of who we are called to be as a fellowship. They expect the church to deliver what they want, but then they forget that as a family member, they themselves have to contribute in a sacrificial way that leads to the growth and the development of others in the family. Before knocking what happens in the church, before attacking the actions of others, 
Consider what you contribute to the fellowship in your time, in your efforts, in your prayers, and in your financial giving. Are you tithing in each of those areas? Not just in money, but in where your prayers are targeted. Where your efforts are put. Are you planted deep in the faith and the fellowship that enables you to grow strong? Or does it only appear that way from a distance and really the roots are shallow? Consider where you are and what you might do about changing that. The third issue is whether a spot of weeding is in order. Now, weeding can be back-breaking work. Yeah. Even if I was to spend five minutes in the garden doing a bit of weeding, I would know that there were still more weeds there and more and more and more. But it is something you have to do if things are to be right. What is it in our life that is throttling our personal spiritual growth? What are the thorny issues that are there that are getting in the way of our full relationship with the living God? Does some activity stop that? Is there something you are watching on TV? Is there something that we are reading on a regular basis, perhaps a newspaper or a magazine, that actually chokes the spiritual fruit that should be coming in our life? You may want to consider what language you are exposed to. Not just blasphemy or other harsh swear words. But do the words that you hear on a regular basis or read on a regular basis encourage you to love others? Or do they discourage you? What image do they give you of people who have a different background from yourself? Are they speaking the truth to you about what God's kingdom is really like? And if not, why are you reading it? Why are you watching that? Why are you listening to, to it on the radio? Do you find that you look at images that, and come away from them with inappropriate thoughts? And I'm not simply referring there to pornography, but equally thoughts that might devalue people or paint them in a different picture from the fact that they are loved by God 
and made in his image. Anything that distorts that, you might have to question. Or say, why does it lead you to an us and them attitude? These are the thorny subjects that might need weeding among our lives and within the church. Our own seed, the word that is given by God, will grow when we are soil that is continually nourished and refreshed. And I use the word continually. It's not simply on the Sunday. But each day of the week. I mean, many, many of us don't take advantage of the fact that there's two services on a Sunday. There's morning and there's also evening. And while I'm not here tonight, I'm sure that David, who's currently on sound desk, would be delighted to see you here. Do you come, if you are able, to join with him and praise the Lord and explore the word? And to grow and be nourished and refreshed by that. But continue throughout the week. Use study notes. Seek prayer time. And if you find that you're too busy, think, why am I too busy? What is it that is getting in the way of my refreshment and my relationship with the Lord? That's a question that we all have to ask. If we are to see 30, 60, 100 fold return that Jesus speaks of, it requires good soil. Not simply good soil out there that you're putting the message into. But good soil in your home. Good soil that you take with you each day. Good soil in the workplace. Good soil as you go to the shops. Good soil that's nurturing you and seeing you grow in faith It's when we personally are in good soil and growing that a crop can come. Turn the soil over in your life. Remove the weeds. Take out the rocks. Get rid of the hardness. Plough that field and get replanted. Bed it down in an even way. Seek your daily life. Sunshine and rain. That comes from personal prayer and study of the word. And as you do that. Be prepared to grow. To grow in love. To grow in fellowship. 
to grow in the fruit of the Spirit and also as a church to grow in number. May we see growth and may it start by us being in good soil. Amen.